Melissa Mulholland was 16 weeks pregnant with her second child when her doctor noticed something unusual in an ultrasound scan. It was a condition called posterior urethral valves, or PUV, and it meant that her son would not survive the womb without medical intervention. At the time, we were really fortunate because we just coincidentally happened to be at a clinic that was high risk, and we met a world-renowned doctor just by off chances that he happened to be in the office that day. And the good news is that her son, Connor, is now five years old. But the experience left Melissa thinking about the families who are not so lucky to have such expert health care. From right then and there, I became extremely motivated around how can we leverage technology to be able to help others in these types of scenarios. She asked a question that not a lot of people would ask. Could artificial intelligence help? We'll find out the answer and hear the rest of Melissa's surprising story on this episode of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. GeekWire's Health Tech Podcast is sponsored by Primera Blue Cross, providing comprehensive health benefits and tailored services to approximately 2 million people, from individuals to Fortune 100 companies. Learn more about how Primera is innovating in healthcare at Primera.com slash innovation. My name is Melissa Mulholland. I work at Microsoft, and I help partners with their skilling and their enablement globally. It means helping them build technical capability in the market so they can have successful businesses with us. You know, I'm really fortunate because I get to work with partners every single day, um, really discovering their best practices and how they are building out their ecosystem with us. And so what I do is I write and curate these playbooks. Think of them as comprehensive guides on how to build a business. So how to build a business on AI, IoT, cloud migration. So the very technology focused, but then we put them into real terms around how do you think about going out and securing customers? How do you think about hiring and skilling the right people to ultimately build a sustainable business long term with us? Are you technical by nature? Are you an engineer by training? Not at all. So that's the thing is I'm just super curious. And the thing about Microsoft is it's enabled me to really build a whole set of knowledge that isn't anything that I was taught in school. So by foundation, I have a sales and marketing, kind of a business background. So I'm really in terms of business development, but I happen to be really excited about how we can use technology to really shape lives. At the end of the day, we have one life to live. And so if we can use technology in ways to help the world, to help others, it's, I think, extremely meaningful. So I'm curious um, more than anything else. Tell me about your family. Yes. So I have two children, Connor, who turns five tomorrow, and Emma, who is uh, six years old. So two kids and a wonderful husband who's from the Pacific Northwest. My firstborn, Emma, you know, was a typically developing child, successful in terms of my pregnancy, but my son Connor is a complete medical miracle. So that's why I smile when I say he's turning five tomorrow. When I pause, I think about it. It's quite um, a remarkable thing to be thinking about as he really shouldn't be here today. So in 2014, 
we discovered that we were pregnant with our second child. And about 16 weeks into the pregnancy, we learned that he would not survive the womb due to a condition called posterior urethral valves, PUV, because it's a long word. And at the time, we were really fortunate because we just coincidentally happened to be at a clinic that was high risk in Bellevue, Washington. And we met a world-renowned doctor just by off chances that he happened to be in the office that day. He confirmed that my son wouldn't be able to make it without medical intervention. And there is a very high-risk surgery that they could do if his kidneys were viable for saving. So this was Father's Day weekend, and we had to make a call. Do we want to take the chance of intervening um, on his life, or do we want to just say we can't make it? How many months along was he? So this was 16 weeks pregnant. So you can imagine, you know, a very, probably the size of a baseball, very, very small in size. And we knew that we had up until 28 weeks um, to viably terminate if we had to go that direction. But as a mother, I psychologically knew I had to do whatever it could take in order to save his, his life. So we decided to see if his kidneys were functioning enough that we could actually intervene. Thankfully, they were. So we intervened at 16 weeks uh, by essentially diverting the urine because he had a blockage. So essentially, imagine never being able to avoid, which inhibitates lung development, all sorts of things. And with that intervention, we had less than a 2% chance of survival. And I'm so grateful to say that he survived today. Mm. But what struck me during the whole process was looking at how technology was really the factor of discovering the issue. So from right then and there, I became extremely motivated around how can we leverage technology um, and my, my role at Microsoft to be able to help others in these types of scenarios. My son was born at 28 weeks. He was a little bit early. He was premature early. And as you can imagine, lots of surgeries and pretty much lived at the children's hospital for quite a few months. But you and your husband were fortunate enough to be at this clinic in Bellevue, Washington, where they were able to spot this because it was one of their specialties? Yes. And this one specific doctor that discovered it, well, one, we had a, a phenomenal radiologist, which typically you don't have a radiologist doctor do your ultrasound scans. In most scenarios, you have a technician, which I'm not dismissing technicians. They're fabulous. They do great work each and every day. But this doctor knew what he was looking for and was just highly skilled. So I happened to have a doctor that knew what he was looking for, combined with a doctor who was surgically equipped to do extreme medical intervention. He's world-renowned for this, and I feel like I got the luck of the draw. How in the world I got the odds of being able to be at the right place at the right time for a condition that today, you know, one in 8,000 boys have, but oftentimes it's not caught early enough. And the outcome is, is if you can't catch it early enough, oftentimes most kids won't survive. So you, in your job at Microsoft, have a glimpse into all of this artificial intelligence through your work with the company's partners. And you know that lots of data can see patterns. And it sounds like that led you to 
some big picture thoughts about whether this kind of detection could be automated? Yes. About six months post all of this occurring, we came out in AI with uh, API through what we call cognitive services. So it's custom vision, the ability to detect and recognize objects. You can train a machine learning model where we build the algorithms and a partner, a company can be able to build upon those APIs. At the time, we had just released Vision, and I was really excited about the ability to take two different objects and be able to train a model. And I thought, well, couldn't we do this with ultrasound images? Especially in the case of my son's ultrasound scan, the bladder image is very much the shape of a balloon, like it has a little bit of a tail at the end. A normal bladder is going to look round, as you would expect. And so very quickly, we were able to pull open source images and take an image of this condition, including my son's uh, scanned image, and we were able to train a model in less than an hour, costing 16 cents. So when you say we in this context, is this literally you at your computer or did you pull in some colleagues, others? Tell me about the process that that you went through. Great question, because uh, I should clarify that. So as we talked about earlier, I don't have by default a technical background. So how I've been able to write these playbook guides and be able to be successful in my career at Microsoft is I've had to work with others that have far more expertise than I do. In this case, I met a company called Internology um, and Tim Huckabee, the founder of the company, had really gotten me excited about using AI in the space that he was doing AI kind of on the cutting edge. This is a great story, so I'm glad you're telling it. Yes, that is Tim Huckabee of Internology, who plays a key role in what happens next. We'll be right back with the rest of the story after this break. This season of the GeekWire Health Tech Podcast is presented by Primera Blue Cross. At Primera, we talk about what we do all day. We offer access to healthcare. The card in the pocket allows people to go get access to healthcare. Dr. John Espinola is Executive Vice President of Healthcare Services for Primera Blue Cross. The challenge we have is that we know that the healthcare that they get access to doesn't work as well as it could. So we have a duty at Primera to make healthcare work better. That's our job. We give people access to healthcare, yet we give them access to something that's subpar. We have a moral and fiduciary obligation to do better. We're going to do it in partnership with those who may touch the moment of care, providers, innovators, entrepreneurs, all of these are going to help us move in the direction we need to to make healthcare work better. We're bold enough to take the risk to try to do something that'll make a difference and learn from it and be better along the way. To find out more, visit Primera.com slash innovation. Tim Huckabee is founder and chairman of Internology, a technology company based in Carlsbad, California, that develops custom apps for a wide range of Fortune 1000 companies. 20-year-old company, most of the work is protected by NDA, meaning we're building tech for other tech companies, including the big ones. So I, I can't even remember how I met Melissa, to tell you the truth, but it was through a um, mutual acquaintance in the technology industry, I believe, And um, we got to talking, and I don't know how it got to it, but we both got to talking about our personal lives, and and I um, had a uh, severely handicapped brother, younger brother, and grew up with a severely handicapped uh, brother, and and I mentioned that to her because she was, you know, dealing with um, some issues with her own son, 
and I got to hear Connor's story. By the way, I was in Seattle last week and, and had dinner with him. The amazing thing about Connor's story is this rare syndrome, I don't think you call it a disease, but this rare syndrome, PUV, um, posterior urethral valve syndrome, as Melissa described it to me, easily caught by physicians if they're trained to look for it. But you can't train all physicians to look for it. So when it's missed, it's 100% fatal. And I'm like, really? That's that's interesting. Do you? I, I think, I said, quoting myself, I think we could solve this problem with computer vision because uh, um, we have been doing a lot of it in a lot of really interesting use cases for a long time. And uh, I said, if you can get me the ultrasound of Connor, um, and she's like, yeah, I absolutely have it. I said, great. And I'll gather up a bunch of, of uh, publicly available uh, x-rays and ultrasound vision uh, pictures of PUV. And then I'll create a machine learning model and build you a little proof of concept. And I'll prove to you that this type of tool, this machine learning thing, can truly save lives. It's not going to replace doctors, but it's the type of thing that could help doctors make diagnoses. And um, so she put a few things together. And it was one of those things. I'm, I'm 57 years old now and started my career as a young man um, at Microsoft, you know, working on server product teams. So I'm, I'm way beyond my production programming years. But uh, I got so excited about this that I found myself trying to figure this problem out at 3 o'clock in the morning. And it's been a long time since I pulled an all-nighter, you know, scratching my head on how to, to pull this off. And sure enough, in the middle of the night, you know, I had built this machine learning model and, then, and built a little wrapper around it so that it could be tested. And sure enough, it was working great with incredible confidence levels. In, in computer vision, it, you always get um, some form of score or confidence, meaning if I'm doing a facial recognition, you know, I'm 78% confident that's Tim Huckabee or in some of the stuff my company does, we do weapon recognition. So I'm, you know, 67% confident that's an AK-47 in, in that crowd, you know, that type of stuff. So I was getting unbelievable precision and recall. So I had to, I sent her a note in the middle of the night and I said, you got to see this. So I, I demoed it for the next day and she's basically like, you are freaking kidding me. And I'm like, I know, right? So we built uh, we built a little test harness around it so that it be, could be demoed publicly. And um, next thing I know, a whole bunch of things happen. Number one, I'm I'm doing a keynote demo of it at this huge Microsoft conference. And then um, then I find out that Satya Nadella himself, the CEO of Microsoft, is telling the story of this thing, and he's crying and, and you know about this is why at Microsoft that we've invested so much in AI. It's to, it's to solve the world's problems. It's to, to you know, cure cancer, it's to do this type of thing. And um, yeah, it was super fun. So y you put this technology simply in the process by which a physician um, looks at ultrasounds, you know, the radiology process. And it, you know, it would flag, hey, I'm 87% confident this is PUV, look at it. You know, again, we don't replace doctors, but these are just tools to help them. So, yeah, that's that's the that's the story. And together we were able to actually train a model to 99 percent accuracy in less than an hour. 
So after you and Tim went through this process, what happened next? (laughs) So we started to share a story because I got so inspired by how simply we could leverage a technology Microsoft already had. So yes, Tim is very technical. And yes, he has an incredible set of developers. But in this case, you know, they didn't build the technology, the technology was already there. So we started to share our story around the world and really motivate other companies to start building out healthcare based businesses. In the realm of AI, it is so important to have, you know, very targeted scenarios because it is really the art of the possible. You can think of limitless ideas around scenarios that you can land with customers, but you really need to make sure that you have things that are going to resonate out there. So I started to share these with other companies and it got me so excited. I actually ended up writing an entire book on AI, um, which is an artificial intelligence playbook. And so this is one of these playbooks that you do that take real world lessons from partners and then explain the principles to other folks to be able to implement the technology. So what I think makes these playbooks so unique is that we do work with companies around the world that have successfully but also failed building out an AI practice. So try to curate those learnings and understandings. And then we actually have partners help contribute and edit it before we publish it. So it's a really unique process. It's one of the reasons why I think we have over 2 million downloads of this content out in the market today. Partners find value in it each and every day. Obviously, what you did is a key demonstration of the potential of AI. Do you have hopes long term that this could be something that would be used by ultrasound technicians? I sure hope so. I think healthcare is so deficient of technology day in and day out. We have so many opportunities to make the experience really positive for both the patients as well as, in this case, the mother of a patient through technology. There are companies around the world that are doing similar scenarios. There's one company that has actually built through machine learning models to be able to detect specific types of cancer because in that specific market, they can access data. So yes, I think it's definitely emerging. The key is for companies to really be thoughtful about what is the intention that they're trying to serve and being really pragmatic around where they can actually build solutions. Because more often than not, companies don't actually make money because they don't have a long-term viable customer pipeline that they can sell into. So my hope is that, yes, you're starting to see AI be used around the world. I mean, the other day I was flying and they used AI through same technology we were just discussing, custom vision. It detected my image. It mapped it to my passport. I didn't have to check in to the flight. I didn't even have to show my passport because it recognized me. So we're seeing more and more of that emerge. It's interesting because the example you just gave, which I believe was Delta Airlines, and they're doing that at SeaTac Airport and other places where they're using image recognition to confirm identity. That's one of the things that brings up some people's concerns about AI and areas like privacy. At the same time, you don't hear as many stories about people using it for good. And it sounds like that's largely your focus. I am so passionate about it because companies, they have to take an ethical stance. And we at Microsoft are really standing behind that because we know that at the end of the day, we want it to be trusted and we want it to be trusted AI. 
So I think it can be used in so many great scenarios. A couple months ago, I was in India. And if anyone knows about the water shortage in India or even malaria, these healthcare concerns are you know, prevalent in every greater city. And it was great to see how AI could be used to potentially map the distribution of water to places that people are not getting water or be able to come up with solutions to solve malaria. So I'm really excited about the future and the potential of using artificial intelligence in a way that can be able to really help others. The potential is huge. Tell me about your son. He's about to turn five. What's his life like? What do you feel comfortable sharing? Oh, thank you. It's remarkable to think about over the past five years. While he's a complete medical miracle, our story did not end with birth. He had over 12 surgeries Mm. from birth to two years old, and as an outcome is severely developmentally delayed. And it's a great point that you bring up because what I often don't share is that he's on the autism spectrum. And in working with one partner actually based in France, they came up with a solution actually leveraging AI to help their employees' children be able to learn how to speak. And I got so excited about it because it resonated to my son, who is just now learning how to speak. Sometimes with kids with autism, they may have low verbal, and he is certainly one of those children. And in this specific solution, they created an application that basically teaches the child the picture of an apple, for example. You hit apple, it'll say apple back. So one of the key ways children learn how to speak is through image. So imagine a application that could be able to decipher as a child picks. Um, and then it starts to learn kind of what they like to pick and what they choose. And so it makes it easier. And it's actually teaching him how to speak as, as I say now. So his life has been completely shaped from technology. I'm sure many more ways to come in the future. But he's a very sweet, loving boy. I'm so grateful that we're blessed with him today. What advice would you give to other people with non-technical backgrounds, people from marketing, other parts of businesses about the accessibility of artificial intelligence and these advanced forms of technology? Could anybody team up with a developer like you did and come up with a solution or are you in a unique position because of where you are inside Microsoft? Anyone can do it. My biggest piece of advice would be just go out there and learn, read. I learned so much by just reading about use cases for our stories in the news and media, reading publications like yourself. It's so important to go out and see how these solutions are being used. Like I use that Delta example of the airlines, how they're using AI to, I was on a cruise ship over the summer and I said, how do I know which picture is mine? All through image recognition. Mm. Um, so they had tagged me. So I would say stay super curious and you can teach yourself so much without actually having any technical background at all. The more I learn, the better I am at the job that I'm able to do because I can think and discover ways of using solutions, technical solutions in ways to overcome challenges in the workforce. And I think everybody should be thoughtful of it because that's the era it is today. We all have to learn. 
Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella is very public about the fact that his own son has a disability, cerebral palsy. And I can imagine that there's just natural empathy coming straight down from the leadership to others who not only might have disabilities themselves working inside the organization, but those who have close family members whose disabilities they help to manage. It's so true. I think he's extremely empathetic as a leader, which it really has cultivated the culture over the past three years. You can see that cultural transformation and shift. And when I shared my story with Satya, because I couldn't help myself, <laughs> he emailed me back immediately and says, you've inspired me. But what I really was inspired by was how he took just my story and shared it across the company because it reminded him of his scenario of his son. He said, imagine, you know, back then, if I had access to this type of technology, the things I could have done to help my son. And so it's a very personal connection with him. But I think being so open, that's why I'm always open to sharing my story, because I think it really, it's so important to be empathetic to the world that we live in. We all have struggles in our daily life. And um, I think it makes your story that much more relatable. Well, thank you, Melissa, for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Melissa Mulholland is Director of Cloud Profitability for Microsoft. Read more about her story and find links at geekwire.com slash health tech or in the show notes on this podcast. Thanks to our sponsor of Health Tech Season 4, Primera Blue Cross. You can find out more about their work at primera.com slash innovation. To see all of GeekWire's coverage of science, tech, business, and more, go to geekwire.com. And you can sign up for our podcast newsletter to hear all of our shows. I'm GeekWire editor Todd Bishop. Thanks for listening to Health Tech.